welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm the Smokemaster General, Mr. Trey Debman, and I am joined, as I am every week, by a man who's fully willing to choke a chicken every day, Mr. Shane Reeves. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll get deeper into that in the back half of the show. <laughs> but... Um, it's interesting. There's so much. I have to be careful on my intro not to get 10 minutes into the show and we still haven't lit our cigar. Yeah. So let's go ahead and light our cigar. And then I got to tell you what happened to me today. It was another. All right. It's my week for weird restaurant occurrences. Okay. And I also. Narciss- that's, a, that's a weird uh, grouping of experiences that I don't think most people have. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it. So today my restaurant experience occurred in Demos which is in Murfreesboro. And if you're ever in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, go to Demos. It is the greatest restaurant in Murfreesboro. I took the day off. That that is hardly equivalent to being the... Ah, forget it. Eh, Of course. That's not saying much. We'll get into that in in Wheel Trade. Um, But... Uh, went there, so when I was there, I always go by the humidor in Murfreesboro because they've always got something unique. Right. They do a good job. And I picked us up Cavalier Geneva Limited Edition. Now, I have heard of Cavalier Geneva, but I don't. It's, I think they might be the only shop in the vicinity that carries it. I believe so. And Adrian there at the humidor has always led me right. He's always knew what he's talking about. Um, he's never put me on a cigar just to put me on a cigar. He's always led me right. And he told me, he said, this Cavalier Geneva limited edition you want. And I said, okay, we're going to smoke it on the show tonight and we'll find out. All right. And I'll, so that's what we're smoking. It's an undisclosed wrapper, an undisclosed binder, an undisclosed filler. Your favorite. Yeah. It's just an LE 2021 6x54. But look how rich that wrapper is, man. That wrapper is rich and oily. I really like that wrapper. Yeah, no, it's on first light. It's interesting, you know, we talk about this with um, Corona Cigar. We've talked about it in regards to the humidor before, about cigars, uh, about shops that are the humidor. There's no humidor in the shop. The shop is just all the stuff is, is out there. And I really do wonder how much that impacts and affects the cigars that are sold there because I'm there's a there's a distinct earthiness to this. And I'm wondering how much of that is the fact that, you know, eighty cigars a day are smoked in relative proximity to this cigar and how much is the cigar itself. Not I mean it's not a bad way and I think it'll it'll kind of bear itself out once we once you get into smoking it and see if it's that flavor that comes through or something else. It is interesting because you wonder if you smoke the, if this cigar, we pulled it out of the humidor here where nobody smokes, if it would have any difference to the flavor. Because, yeah, I'm getting that earthiness right off the top. Yeah. And I'll kind of a, a full, it's, a, it's definitely a full-bodied cigar. This is definitely, and they show it as a full-strength full cigar. And all, but interesting company, Cavalier Geneva, and all, um, really making some moves on the market. And I think they're one good salesman away from really doing it. And if you're a new company, you've got to have sales reps. I know it's hard with a new company to hire sales reps, but you've got to have sales reps. To an extent. I am going to disagree with you a little bit because I know if you look at Rocky Patel as a perfect example of a startup that gained popularity and borderline, I'm going to say, immortality on the heels of 
Rocky banging on doors and walking in and shaking hands with people. Um, Fratello is another one. Omar DeFrias has, number one, I mean, first and foremost, he just had a really good, perfect, medium-bodied cigar uh, in an era when everybody was going for harder, better, stronger. Harder and stronger, not better. And he just brought quality to the marketplace, and he did it by walking into people's shops, shaking their hands, and putting a cigar in it and saying, let's... And so I think at a certain point, yes, if you want to expand, you have to have a sales force. But I think if you're trying to get off the ground, the best way is for the face of the company to do exactly that and go be the face. Well, but I will argue, if you look at the McAuliffe model, would McAuliffe be in half the stores around here they are if Andy was not in charge of that shooting match? Well, yeah, but but that's a very different story altogether given the, given the backing that that company has. You know, you look at Dapper. Dapper popped up in all the shops around Nashville because John was just so good. John was just absolutely great. Now, John don't work for him anymore. I bet you will start seeing Dapper disappear. Yeah, but I think that you're talking about two different things, though. You know, does does quality salespeople make a difference? 100%. I don't think anybody would argue that. And I think give us a couple of years and the Miami cigar experiment will tell us how much a difference it makes. But at the same time, I don't think it's necessary to get a brand off the ground. I think, I think you can do a lot early on by making an impression and then you follow it up with a sales force. Well, it's hard. The hardest thing you'll ever do is try to launch something on a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. You really need to take the amount of money you think it was go- it's going to take to launch your brand and double that and begin when you have that kind of backing. And uh, because the, it happens to shops all the time, it happens to cigar brands all the time, they don't open with enough money up front, and then when they have success, they burn themselves out. Right. Because they don't have the money to keep producing. And also, it's a, it's interesting. You know, not everybody can be Padron. No. Not everybody can not need sales reps, can just be held as the standard bearer in no. the industry. And I would be interested to know how, how Padron started. If they started with reps and got rid of them, or if they've never had reps and the cigars are just that good? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. We'll the the documentary some... that we watched didn't really cover that piece of the business. No. We'll, ha- we'll have to do some research for future shows on that, but... Being as we're talking about Padron, Padron Black number 100. This is from Half Wheel. Okay, so this Padron Black, that once again they're releasing it and they're doing it only in the CRA cigar sampler. Right. Is this a smart move for both either Padron or the sampler? And all because, okay, you have to buy the whole sampler, and the sampler's good, don't get me wrong. There's no dogs in the sampler, and well, I don't Except care for, for the Andalusian bull. Yeah, I don't care for the Andalusian bull, but there's really no dogs um, in the sampler. Yeah, I'm looking at this um, Rocky Patel Vintage, not my particular favorite, but it is a great cigar. Um, Ashton Symmetry, Diamond Crown, Oliva V, Jaime Garcia, Opus. Yeah, I mean, and then, like we said, the Andalusian bull and a couple whose label I don't recognize in addition to this Padron Black Label. And I don't know, you know, it's MSRP of $160. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, most of these are $16 cigars, but a handful of them 
aren't. Like that Jaime Garcia is a $7 cigar. The Oliva V is about 12 at MSRP. So usually with a sampler pack like this, you expect to kind of get a steal. And well, I feel like this is just kind of face retail. Now, granted, the Opus is 20 plus. The Andalusian is 20 plus. I, I, you are getting a deal. But I just, I don't know. I feel like it's a little... Well, and that's and that may be the thing. You may hit up the nail on the head. The Padron Black, nobody knows what the MSRP on it is because they don't sell it anywhere but in these packs every year. And it's interesting, too, because it has a band like their Thousand Series, but that's on top of the sub-band like their Anniversary Series. So which is this? You know, does it fall in their Thousand Line sort of level where it's about a ten twelve dollar cigar, or is this bordering on anniversary style where we're looking at twenty two twenty five? I don't know. It's I, I will be interested to find out. I need to buy this pack one year. Every year I say I'm gonna buy the pack, and then I see it, and I'm like, ah, there there's there's not enough super good stuff, and I hate to pay one hundred fifty dollars for a Padron Black. Well, and and you kind of hit the nail on the head before we started recording too, which is that the Andalusian Bull. Although, I mean, LFD's uh, backorder issues being what they are notwithstanding, you can get that in the shop. The Opus, uh, is that Siglo, Don Siglo? Is that the, I don't know. It's one that you can get in a shop. Jaime Garcia you can get in a shop. That Rocky, the Ashton, the Diamond, uh, the Diamond Crown, and the V, you can get all of those when, pretty much whenever you want. Yeah, you know, the Opus is the Fuente Fuente Opus X Oro Oscuro Perfectionist. Okay, thank you. And um, I was just looking at the picture, and it was kind of, yeah, if you, if you there scroll, was a glare. If you scroll down in the article, they got a list. But they, um, mm. you Des, know. Destino de Siglo was what I was looking at. Okay. But gotcha. I would be more likely to buy this if I had smoked a couple of the others and said, okay, here's, you know, um, nine, ten cigars. And seven of them are really like. I'd be more likely to buy it than, okay, here's ten cigars, and five of them are, are mediocre, two of them are okay, and then you got to roll the dice on a couple. Yeah, I mean, cause, yeah, exactly, because I'm, I'm looking at that, and I'm going, okay, I'm smoking the Fuente, I'm smoking the Jaime Garcia, the Tatuaje, the Padron, the Ashton, the Diamond Chrono. So I'm giving away the the Alec Bradley Fine and Rare, the Andalusian Bull, and the Rocky Patel. Well, and now, but is this just, okay, this is CRA, this is Cigar Rights of America, this is a fundraiser, and they're just saying, okay, we really want $150 from you, and here's some cigars for your trouble. Is it not? Is it something they don't have to worry about marketing? I think so, and I and I and that makes me wonder. So, um, a, a friend of mine in the industry had a very troubling experience with Alec Bradley, specifically on the fine and rares recently, um, such that I probably won't be buying an Alec Bradley ever again. Or at least it's going to be a long time because of what they did. So part of me does wonder how much of this is donated by the companies and how much is sort of meant to be free advertising. It could, it could be. It's, it may not be a for-profit venture. It's just a fundraiser. You know, it's 
It may be Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. You can go into Kroger and you can buy Samoas made by Keebler that are far superior to the Samoas that you get from the little girls in front of Kroger, in front of the store, for $3 and for twice as big a box. But you buy it from the Girl Scouts because it's little girls out there selling cookies and you right. want to be supportive. Right. So, you know, you, you wonder if this is, if this is Girl Scouts. I'm convinced Scout the Girl Scouts are a cookie company that found a loophole to exploit child labor. Well, I, I figure that, but if Big Cookie was really in charge of the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts wouldn't be selling popcorn. They would have found a way to have had some Boy Scout cookie flavors and some Girl Scout cookie flavors. I think Big Cookie could have solved that problem because the Boy Scouts popcorn is a terrible idea. It is. It's bad popcorn. It's And it's so, so expensive for popcorn. Right. You know, it's just... it's. A, it's bad all the way around. Boy Scouts got the shaft in the the industry, so I think if Big Cookie was in charge, we'd have. Yeah, but they got the Pinewood Derby, so. Uh, kind of, yeah, but how much money do you make off Pinewood Derby? No, you don't make the money <laughs> off of it, but it's more fun than well, standing out front of Kroger selling cookies. Well, there's that. So speaking of other business moves, St. Dupont hooked. This is also from a Half Wheel article. And uh, so St. Dupont is making their bid for a low-cost lighter. They'll run about $57, $58 a lighter. I mean... Single flame. Um, so the hook, if you'll pardon the pun, yeah, is there's an eyelet in this lighter. I kind of like it. I like the, the the negative space. You know, I have a, a, a knockoff ST DuPont that's the James Bond series with the hole in it. And I like that. I mean, and, and I like the fact that this one, it's built into the hinge, so it's got that kind of um, functional piece to it, but also that it that it serves a function of, of giving you an attachment point. Although, I don't know who's taking a $57 ST DuPont and putting it on a key ring. Well, and this is a straight no-frills lighter. There's no punch. There's no fuel window. This is this is a meat and potatoes single flame lighter with a hole in it. Yeah. So I, I just I don't know. How, at what point are you just trying to make a little cash off the name? You know, at, at what point would a vector do you just as much good for half the price? Is is this well? Of course, but that's always been Estee Dupont's game. Is you buy it because of the name, not because of how good a lighter it is. You know, our Calibre Julius is. Will knock the only reason I would buy a line two is just because of the ping noise. But as far as lighters go, that one's way better. So uh, there's a what <laughs> you've got all the standard options plus designs that range from rubber ducks to sugar skulls to a dunking basketball player, and then even into designs that look like beer, have pills on them, and beyond, including a not safe for work version. Yeah. I was. I should not have clicked on that link. Um, <laughs> now I'm looking for the link. <laughs> um, the, so the St. Duponts, the guys that know know, and you. But it's kind of like the guy that sits in the shop that only smokes Cubans. The only, I guarantee you, most of your guys that only smoke Cubans light it with an St. Dupont. Well, I think it's a. I think it depends on the shop because when I think of the person who only smokes Cubans, they're the one. They're usually the person that doesn't realize that all they smoke are fake Cubans. <laughs> it's very rare to meet the guy who only smokes Cubans and actually smokes Cubans. Right, and them actually be real, true, live Cubans. 
And, I'll, and no fuel window? Come on, fellas. It can't cost much to put a fuel window in. And I, you know, I'm not buying any more lighters of without any kind one. without well, a fuel window. No. There's just no practical reason in my life. If I get a free one, I'll throw it away before I use it. Right. If it, it needs a fuel window... You need to be able to see how much is in it because when you're going out on a trip, you want to be able to kind of look, okay, do I need to refill my lighter? You, it's like running around in a car with no gas gauge. Exactly. You know, there's very there's a couple of things in my car that if they go wrong can kind of wait. You know, if I had a window that didn't roll down, I had a window that didn't roll down on the truck before me, before the one I've got now on the back. And it was like that for two years. Because it wasn't that big a deal. Because when do you sit in the back? It right. never bothered you. Because if the fuel, but now if the fuel window or the fuel gauge had busted, right. I'd have had that fixed tomorrow. Exactly. So uh, put a fuel window on it. So I don't know that this is going to be a big success. And I'll, I don't foresee myself in a in a realm purchasing one of these. And I'm a lighter person. I like good lighters. I do too. And, and one thing, you know, the whole reason in my in my mind, the whole reason you buy an S2 DuPont is for the sound when you flip the lid. It's the ping, they call it. This doesn't have it. Right. All of their other, like, low-cost and jet lighters don't have lids, so they kind of avoid that, uh, like the mini jet and the maxi jet. This is their first in this to have a flippable lid, and it doesn't make the ping noise. Yeah. Um, What's the point, then? Yeah. I'm, I'm not... I'm not up with that. Yeah, okay. its competition is a $13 Jetline. <laughs> They're saying Calibri Daytona, but I don't. I don't feel like that's the same. Anyway, <laughs> mo- we can move on. Moving on. Okay, let's talk about rappers. You you brought it up. You lead. Oh, I thought you meant like the rapper leaf on a cigar. No, no. not the not the rapper I like. The rapper I hate. So, for the t- anyway. So. When we were looking for show content this week, this one story was 10 to 1. Yeah, it, I mean, was, it was ubiquitous. Everywhere. And so I pulled the article from Bloomberg because I wanted to get it from a source that wasn't a cigar source. And this is the rapper Nas adds cigars to his expansive investment portfolio. Now, Shane and I will both be the first to admit that we don't listen to rap music. I don't know who rap personalities are. It's not my thing. Um, But apparently, um, he has an expansive investment portfolio spanning more than 100 companies from financial tech to mattresses, which I'm convinced mattresses are just money money laundering. There's no way there's there's that much money in mattresses. But anyway, um, and so he is now becoming a co-owner of Escobar Cigars, which is an upstart label. And uh, he's going to take marketing and um, e-commerce and, and kind of build that. And um, apparently the company's been around for three years. And I just think this is great because even though I don't really know the company, I don't really care about the personality that, that's now getting involved, you know, over the last five years, I guess, maybe... We have seen and we have been beaten over the head by celebrities starting liquor companies. It, in particular, tequila, which, how many adults do you know that drink tequila? <laughs> you mean other than it, bridal showers? And- yeah, I mean, it's, tequila's the, the drink that after you, after you get to be about like 23, you've had a bad enough experience that you don't want to touch it ever right, again. You've had enough tequila at that point in your life. Yeah. 
So, but, you know, Clooney, Ryan Reynolds, um, The Rock, they all have liquor companies, and it's become the new status symbol of celebrity to start, you know, a, what, I, what I'll call a vice business. And so I just thought this was really neat because this is the first time anybody has gone into cigars as a part of this. You know, we had uh, David Ortiz has his own cigar line from El Artista, right. but he's not an owner in the company as such, like so many of these others. I just thought this was so cool, and I wonder if this is going to be a good thing for the cigar industry if we get more celebrities to sort of take this route with their um, vanity investments, or if this hurts it. Well, you know, so Sammy Hagar, I think, started all this Cabo with Cabo Wabo. And he sold it to an Italian company for millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. I think Clooney just sold his tequila company for a couple of billion. Yeah. And uh, so it kind of, I don't know, do they do they like the product or do they see a way to make a ton of cash on a big hit? And uh, so that's, that's my question about it. Um, and the cigar companies, cigar companies don't trade that often. Right. They're not like liquor companies. And I'm looking at this going, okay, this is a, you know, this is a three-year-old company. This is not him buying into an upstart just so he can say he started a company. This is a a company that has a little bit of of, momentum, you know, to have survived the last three years in this industry. You've got to be doing something right. And he's not just coming on to be the face of the brand like Clooney did and some of those. He's actually going to be the head of marketing, and he's going to work on their e-commerce division, and he's going to put in some sweat equity, which is pretty cool. So here's the bottom line. I know Nas or Nas or whatever his name is is not going to make you more likely to buy this cigar. Is it going to make you less likely to buy this cigar or just kind of the even? No, you know, it actually will make me more likely to buy this cigar. For the reasons that I just said, like, I don't, not because of who the celebrity is that's endorsing it, but because I like the idea behind celebrity endorsement because all that's going to do, all in my mind, all that can possibly do for the cigar industry is help bring it more into the mainstream. And I can't think of a way in which that's a bad thing. It makes me less likely to buy this cigar because to me, when it's kind of like when you have the celebrity show up on your favorite sitcom. Oh, okay, it's ratings week. Or when you have, you know, Ryan Reynolds did a couple of shots on Scrubs. Now, he was excellent because Ryan Reynolds is good in whatever he does. And he wasn't Ryan Reynolds at the time. Sure. Yet. He was a little less. It, was, it wasn't like. It was pre-Deadpool. Right. You know, we can kind of break Ryan Reynolds' career into two halves. Pre-Deadpool, post-Deadpool. Fair enough. But it was pre-Deadpool. But it's to me, this feels like that celebrity endorsement that just kind of, okay, our product's not good enough to stand on its own. Let's get a celebrity in here to... To, to start humping it. Now, if they had hired him as a spokesperson, I would agree with you. But this is a guy who's putting his money, who's, like, again, already has over 100 companies that he's otherwise invested in. So he's clearly savvy. He's got a very diverse portfolio. And he sees this as a way to further his... I, I think this is I think this is a savvy investor who just happens to be famous for being a hip-hop artist. We'll see. We'll see how it... Did. 
It'll be interesting to keep tabs on this and see if these cigars start popping up, if people start asking for them. It'll be interesting to see how this this yeah. groundswell movement happens. I'm I'm completely open to this. Could be a good idea. Yeah. And uh, but I'm also you know I have my unbridled hatred of rap music. I understand that is, that, let, that keeps me from being an impartial. Fair enough. And uh, what are you thinking of the special edition so far? I'm digging it. It so I really liked it. Kicked me in the teeth on the front end. And then it mellowed out very quickly. I it mean, did, like my yeah, third and, or fourth puff. And I think that has to do with what I was talking about at the top of the show. I think we were burning off some of the residual smoke from that shop. Could be. Very very well could be. But it just um, nice, even smoke. Very. I would give this medium plus, medium full. Yeah, medium full, full, full minus. Yeah. <laughs> Probably full. I don't know what medium full and full minus different is, but I think full minus and all. But yeah, very, um, very interesting smoke. I'm going to enjoy getting through the whole thing and all. I'm only about the two, a third of the way through it. So I'll be in, interested as we go through the rest. But let's step away for a break. When we come back, we got to talk about my favorite article of the week, James Gunn's cigar label, named after his best friend. All right. We'll be back with that and more after this. Back to the cigar cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who is soon to be competing in the Dodge Juggle World Championships, Mr. Trey Dedman. The Dodge Juggle? Have you seen Dodge Juggle? No. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you the picture on my iPad. So you have it was on the Ocho. Okay. And all because of every right. third week they turn ESPN into the Ocho. So this was on mainstream ESPN. So you have five on five teams. You have five jugglers in the back, five protectors, five jugglers in the back, five protectors, and they have to try to knock down the jugglers on each team. And it's dodgeball. And it's dodgeball. <laughs> and I, I, th- I see you getting deep into dodge juggle as both the juggler and the tosser. I would be... It's a good thing we're not a British show. I don't like being called a tosser. <laughs> um, no, I would I would get all in for that. Now, but here's what I think they should add a rule to this. I think if you're juggling and they throw the ball and you just work it into the juggle, you win immediately. Yeah, the I think so. The other team is done. And that's an instant slaughter rule. Everything's over. And I'm <laughs> I'm curious too, like if. I wonder if you could... It, I couldn't tell from the picture. Are they juggling clubs? Are they juggling balls? What are they juggling back there? Chainsaws. Oh, no. Clubs. <laughs> clubs. Yeah, so you should be able to swat a ball with the club in your hand and that... Right, but now, when your juggler drops his juggle, he's out. Right. Whether he just yeah, does it on can, his own, screw up, or... If there's a ball coming towards me and I've got one it, like in the rotation and I can... You can bat it you back? You can bat it and... Do, yeah. Yeah. The clubs spend a lot more time in your hands than you than you realize. Okay. So the the dodge juggle. I thought I, I just I've seen the dodge juggle article and I thought this is all Trey. Oh yeah. We this, still need to. It's it. We've been saying it for what two years now. This this fall, I think we absolutely need to try and make lighting a cigar while juggling fire happen. Absolutely, gonna happen. Definitely go. I'm willing to put, especially now that I've got the 14 by 50s. I'd yeah. be a little more likely to use one of those, which 
by the way, SummerSlam was this weekend, had wrestling at my house, pulled out the Don Gonzalez 14 by 50, lit it during the cut curtain jerker, didn't finish it till the main event. Excellent. The perfect pay-per-view cigar. <laughs> it was absolutely a good. wonderful thing. So, okay, before we get back into cigars, I've got to ask, uh, I, I had an experience today, I was at Demos, and um, the guy at the time, I sit down and I hear music. And I said, there's music. Is that Are they playing music? But it was 80s rock. And I said, would yeah. it be unusual for Demos to play 80s rock? And I kept looking around, and it was the guy behind me having a conversation with another human being that had nothing to do with music. I listened. I eavesdropped. And just had his phone in his lap playing music in a public place while I have a conversation with another human being. I stabbed him with a steak knife. Pun- punishable I by death. I think that I think I was 100% in the right to stab him with my yeah, steak no knife. no jury would convict you. I mean, okay. in a bag, buried in the desert, like that's... How, how, how narcissistic are you that that will happen in I, your life? I cannot conceive of a scenario in which I would do that. Well, I I was, w- my skin would be crawling. Well, and I was wondering, okay, is this guy got some mental issues and the music soothes him? Can he not come out in public without, you know, ACDC playing? Um, what, you know, I really wanted to sit down and, well, I wanted to stab him. Right. But in lieu Barring of stabbing that, him, I've thought about sitting down and just saying, hey, what's the deal with the music? Tell, but I knew it would be unsatisfying. There's some things in life... There's no satisfying answer would have come out of his lips to me in that As scenario. As to why he would, yeah. Yeah, but speaking, so that, but I had at the end of my meal banana pudding. Uh-huh. And I did it, I'm thinking, I've got to do a wheel tray eat it on banana pudding. So my answer is no. Because and here's the reason why. Well, of course your answer is no, or you wouldn't have brought it to the. Well, my answer is no because I think one, I think you would say that Chiquita has a you know slave army of bonobo chimps that they make harvest that, so you can't support that. Nilla wafers, there's no way you would be socially responsible and eat Nilla wafers. And third, pudding and the whole Bill Cosby thing. I think for pure political <laughs> reasons, you would be way against banana pudding. <laughs> You think that I would deny myself the glory of banana pudding based on wokeness? Yes. You, sir, are so wrong. <laughs> okay, well, good. I love, love banana pudding, and it is really hard to find good banana pudding. You would oh, think in the heartland of the South where we live, places like, you know, although it's funny you mentioned this because Paula Deen has a restaurant down the road, and I won't eat at her restaurant. Because of wokeness, right? Yes. But but even I have before, before I realized it was her restaurant, and her banana pudding sucked. And even Loveless Cafe, who's kind of known for being that down-home southern, it's not, like, why is it so hard to get good banana pudding? Well, to your point, the banana pudding I had today should not have been referred to as banana pudding. One, it, the, um... It didn't have Nilla wafers in it. It had some other kind of cookie, and it had a graham cracker base. I don't... I, I'm i fine with the graham ca- cracker base, as long as that's not the only texture additive in the banana pudding. But well, beyond all of that, the thing that really infuriates me the most is... How long have we been friends? Oh, been a year. Six. We've six, been doing this years. for four and a half years, so yeah, at least yeah. six. Yeah. You still don't know how to spell my damn name. 
Sometimes I do it just to make. No, oh, don't give me that bullcrap. I know you didn't do that on purpose. Sometimes I do it just to, just to yank your shade because we've we've had this argument before about names. And I'll and it, it's a fundamental argument. In your life, words matter. Right. In my life, words don't matter. Willpower, actions, intent is you, what matters. You are the one who tells the story of, do you go by Joshua or Josh? Whatever you like. No, you must choose. You must defend your name. And here I am defending my no, name no, no. and you're telling me. <laughs> I never said defend your name. I said choose your name. But so there, and there's a big, there's a wide chasm between defending your name and when somebody asks you specifically, what is your name? Having a suitable answer. That's a chasm big as the Grand, Pan- Grand Canyon. I, I think it's a little smaller than that, but I'll... Okay, maybe the Snake River Canyon. But <laughs> it's still a huge chasm between those two instances. And Because, uh, you know, I've said it for my name, Shane. People call me Sean, never corrected one. And I hope to live my whole life with two things, never having changed a diaper and never having corrected anybody on my name. I have had one of these cigars before. Oh, the gold leaf. The gold leaf. I did that. I like that they snuck that in there. That's pretty cool. So for those of you playing the home game, I've gotten to a point in the cigar where it's time to take off the label, and my goodness, it's shiny under there from the glue that's holding that in. Um, but do under you the, smoke the gold leaf, or do you pop you, it off? You too? can you can smoke through it. Oh, okay. Uh, so underneath the main label is a, a diamond of gold leaf, right on the cigar. And so that is kind of a trademark for them. And I, I do know that Smoker's Abbey carries, if not this particular cigar, but at least this brand. Okay. Well, good. That's good to know. And since you brought us back to cigars, the Suicide Squad pays tribute to James Gunn's late best friend, Dr. Wesley Von Spears. This is from SlashFilm.com. Okay. I watched Suicide Squad. I enjoyed it. I thought it was well done. It was exactly as advertised. Is the don't look don't go there looking for no surprises. Don't go there looking to change your life or for life affirming. Notices I, I know you wouldn't watch it because it's not a three hour dirge about dams in Malaysia, but for just a feel good summer movie, killing a lot of people, a lot of blood, a lot of gore, it's excellent. Yeah, that's not my. Uh, I'm not the target audience for that. But during it. One the um, one of the bad guys, surprise, surprise, a very Castro-like third world dictator, is always seen smoking a cigar. And James Gunn actually had this cigar made and named after his dog, Dr. Wesley Von Spears. He broke one of my cardinal rules. We don't name dogs human names. And especially we don't give them doctorates. But <laughs> Dr. Wesley Von Spears, I'll allow it in this instance, and had these cigars made specifically for that movie in that genre. Is that not cool? I do think that's cool. And I, I disagree with you. I, not only do I disagree with you, I think you're patently wrong. I think you absolutely give dogs human names. No, I'm, I'm, I'm against My dogs. My next dog's going to be named David. Yeah, see, just you holler David in like eight. Definitely can't name it David in this shop. You holler David and everybody will stand up. But that's part of the fun, is it? Like, David, quit licking your ass. <laughs> what is going on at your house? David, spit that out. Like eight pieces of pizza fly across the <laughs> shop. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, it's just if you ever crown cigars in Brentwood and you don't remember somebody's name, go with David. Yeah, and they're not the big mouth guy in the corner. That's me. Um, then just call him David, and you're ninety eight percent chance you get it right. Right. And all, but just a cool article here about his best friend and that he had. The dog passed away right before filming stopped, and the the label even has a picture of the dog on it. Right. And, uh, you know, that's when you know you're balling, when you can have your dog's picture put on a label. And uh, and I will tell everybody out there, here's a little time money-saving tip. Buy a standard dog, because anything I want with Ace's picture on it, all i got to do is buy a standard black lap. There's no variation. Nobody will – I could line up – Ten pictures of black labs without a collar on, and my wife couldn't pick Ace out of it. And I'll buy yourself a standard dog when you buy coffee mugs. It's got your dog's picture on it. You didn't have to special order it. When It's like being named Dave. It's just, yeah. It makes life, you know, Disney, when you're looking for keychains, Dave, right there. Yeah, and, yeah. Artemis is going to have a real tough time. Uh, absolutely. So buy, buy a standard a standard shape, color, size dog. It'll save you a lot of investment in the long run. <laughs> but really like that. Thought that was a cool article I wanted to touch on. So I want to talk about our topic. All right. And I did a little research on this topic before we come in here. And all with some friends, we were sitting around and we were, I was building this. And I like what you added to it, by the way. I think you added really well. So this is a hypothetical situation. And also, we're not going to get marred down in a lot of details about what the particular hypothetical is. What could you do in a pinch? And uh, what do you feel like you could do? That, and something outside of your normal scope. Like, you know, okay, if I was lost in the woods, could I build a shelter? Yes, I build for a living. Yeah, I didn't put that on that because I f- feel like that's kind of a foregone conclusion. I but, mean, anybody can fas- fashion some form of shelter well enough to survive, I but think. But could you build an igloo? I do think so because I've actually gotten kind of close before. You kind of, you kind of, see, the hard part. The hard part with building an igloo is going to be if you're not prepared, because what you do is you build it brick by brick. So the Inuit people actually have a, a mold, and they pack it full of sand, and then they turn it out and make the bricks before they stack them. So if you're somewhere where an igloo is necessary, it's going to be tough to get something to make the mold well, out of. I, I never fly over the Arctic without my, my igloo mold in my backpack. Just, it's in I'm, my carry-on. But I do think I could do it. Okay. Could you, in a pinch, so let's say you're on a farm, you're surrounded by the enemy of your choice, zombies, werewolves, Nazis, whatever. What I I thought was interesting about this, before you keep going, was the the different, because you got to a lot of the things that I would have said before I got, before I started putting my list down here, and it's interesting to see the difference in our approaches, because, like I said, I didn't put build a shelter. I didn't put, you know, collect rainwater for clean drinking water. But that was one of the things I thought about. And it's it, and basically, your approach was escaping an angry mod, whereas mine was surviving in isolation. That was kind of more where I went to. Well, if you look at the direction both our lives are heading, that That's really far, makes a lot of yeah. sense. And so let's say that you're, and you and your wife need to escape. And you know your best shot of escape is there's a crop duster in a barn. You're in the Midwest in the 1950s for some reason. Usually in my relationship, I'm the crop duster. <laughs> well, but you're in the Midwest for some reason in the 1950s, and there's a crop duster there. Do you think you could fly a plane? So this is, this is interesting. 
if we're if we're in a little ditty hopper and um, the pilot goes out and and for whatever reason I have to jump in and take controls and and keep it going and and land I think I can do that absolutely okay you're required by law when that happens to say I picked a bad day to give up methamphetamine that's right <laughs> I picked a bad day to stop sniffing glue um and then I turn to my wife and say, have you ever been in a Turkish prison? Anyway, so. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so good. Um, okay, so getting it started, though, I mean, there is a complex procedure to getting a plane started because it's not like your car where you just turn the ignition and it goes through the sequences automatically. You have to turn the ignition on. You have to blend the fuel. You have to choke. If it's a crop duster, it'll have a choke. Like, there is a sequence of events, and I think it would be... I think I could probably get it started and probably figure it out. It depends how much time I've got. I think I could put it together. I think yeah, I think I understand enough about the internal combustion engine that I could probably put together the essentials for how to how to get it started and get it off the ground. Now landing it, I would hope that wherever I was fleeing to was near water or near you know near something soft. Yeah, perhaps a, a mattress factory, <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, then I'd be in trouble with the cartels for blowing up their mattress mm-hmm. factory with their laundering money. But, but then they get it back in insurance. They're fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Spoken, what better way to launder money than an insurance claim? Spoke, spoken like a true insurance salesman. And uh, Okay. Here's, and this one, I give a 90% chance that you think you could do it. Deliver a baby. Oh, yeah. I've actually had training. Okay. So you, you could deliver a baby with no... Yeah. You know, no Some problem. of the other things that were in the article that you posted, like CPR, Heimlich, um, I've had training in those things. So I feel pretty confident that in a pinch, even though I don't do it often, I could at least make a difference. So if you're in a pinch... And don't pinch while you're delivering a baby. You have to try to decide whether... And I love your comment on this one. To Now, you've got to do one. You're either going to have to perform a tracheotomy or an appendectomy. See, I thought... The, the reason I left that comment is because I thought you were saying that you thought you could do this. Do you think you can do this? Well, if I had to choose, so, okay. <laughs> what you, medical emergency <laughs> is going to be equal outcome whether you remove an appendix or do a tracheotomy? See this fourth wall here? Don't, don't be poking my wall, okay? I'm laying out the, the hypothetical scenario for you here. All just right. roll with it. All right. So you're in a scenario where you must either perform a tracheotomy or an appendectomy to survive. Okay. And all. Which one do you think you could most successfully perform? Well, I've heard Hawkeye walk Father Mulcahy through the tracheotomy so many times that I think I've got a pretty good idea how to do it. Um, but I think the appendectomy would probably... I think they both have the same level of... Your issue with the appendectomy is is internal bleeding and blood loss after the fact. Your issue with the tracheotomy is that you don't do it correctly and they still can't breathe. Yeah, you know, okay, there's less margin for error in the tracheotomy. Yeah. But there's a better... Chance of survival. In the tracheotomy. No, in the appendectomy. Oh, in the appendectomy, yeah. But if I had to roll the dice, and and I've watched that episode of MASH a hundred times, too, I agree. I think I would probably go tracheotomy. I think I would would take my chance at going tracheotomy. Okay. um, Drive a bulldozer semi, I can do that all day long. That's easy. And I can't can't contribute to that because that's something that I've done before. 
Yeah, see, I have never operated, similar to the, the um, getting the airplane started that you were talking about, like, I have never been around real heavy equipment. I'm talking mining trucks and semis and things like Semis a little less because that's, I know how to drive a standard. I could, I could get that going as long as I'm not on too steep a hill. But the, the heavy equipment is one of those for me. It's like I have no clue. But I think I know enough about mecha- the mechanics of how machinery operates that I'd be all right. Build a boat. This was an interesting one you pulled up. When me and the other two guys I was sitting with, strangely enough, the other two guys I was sitting with, this is just for the two of us, and we're the only ones that know these two guys. Fred chose tracheotomy. Bubba chose appendectomy. Interesting. Bubba believed he would have a better shot at the appendectomy than the tracheotomy. I'm curious, though. Show me where the appendix is. Oh, it's right down here somewhere. Okay. And uh, I've, I've skinned a lot of deer. That's okay. I but, wasn't. I wasn't thinking that you've you've seen internal organs more than most people. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay. I, I I'll, took I'll apart a lot of deer. I could. Okay. I could probably find an appendix. That was the first thing I thought. I was like, I bet Shane can't even tell me where the app, the, the appendix is. Oh yeah, yeah. I've took apart a lot of deer. That's that, that's a good point. I wasn't thinking. No, I don't really know if deer have appendix because they're not, but I've I've seen enough organs that I could probably figure that out. And I'll but build a boat. Okay. As much as I hate to break down the hypothetical. Am I building a boat to go across a lake? Am I building a boat to go across a rushing river? Or am I building a boat to go from island to island? I think I could do either. I think I could get across a lake easy. If I'm going across a lake, though, I, unless it's Tahoe, what's, what lake is big enough that I would need a boat and take the time and the energy to build the boat rather than just walk around it? Um, well, there's, there's scenarios. There's, I'm sure there's scenarios. You know, And build a boat, that's season-dependent. My idea, my optimism of my boat building skills during the summer is far superior to my optimism of my boat building skills during the winter. Because of water conditions or because yeah, of because, wood conditions? Because if my boat was to sink, I could, I could make it across the lake with a log under each arm if I had to. Gotcha. During July. The summer, yeah. But during January, I would freeze to death long before I got to the other side of the lake. I feel confident in my abilities to build a boat that I would do it even in a... Because because in the winter, most likely, you're going to have an easier time felling a tree and identifying trees that are... And you could always just do a dugout. And then you don't have to worry nearly as much about water tightness. What about island hopper in shark-infested water? Yeah, no problem whatsoever. Yeah, you're pretty confident in, in your shipmanship. I'm sure there's a and I've got several years of sailing experience. What are boat What are boat makers called? I know they have a special name. They do, and uh, somebody is yelling at the podcast right oh, now. Oh, I know. I well, I'm yelling because I know the answer to that, but I can't I come too. up with I, it. It's right on the tip of my tongue. It'll, it'll come to me. Okay, so you're being stalked by a pack of wolves. Could you? Build a weapon. Shipwright. Shipwright. There you go. That's, that's so easy. The ship's right there in the yeah. name. How did we both <laughs> miss that? So you're st- a pack of wolves. It's you or the wolves. Your plane has crashed because you weren't as good at flying it as you thought you were. I was There's, fine flying it, but eventually you got to land. And you, that's, hit the, you hit the mountain, so you can't take a boat and get away. And, uh, and there's a pack of wolves after you. Could you build a weapon, and what would you build? I've... I have actually built a bow out of a sapling before. It wasn't terribly effective, but it's doable for if for 
for rabbits and things like for food, it sure. would it would it would get the job done. I think you'd have a really hard time making one for for taking down a, a predator. I think you got to go spear. I I was just about to say that. I think but I think spear is very doable. Yeah, I think I think that your best bet is a club and a spear. Yeah. You know, a, a spear to hold them in place, a club to finish the job. I think. And I think I could do that. I don't think I would have any trouble, even as much as I love dogs, I don't think I'd have any trouble finding the alpha and taking down a pack of wolves. Of course, you know, any good movie will tell you, you kill the alpha, the rest kind of wander off in their own direction. They're no longer hungry after you kill the alpha. And also, I don't think I could, I could do that. Evade a posse. See, I don't think you could, I don't think you could do that. I think, well, no, this ain't what do you think I can do. This is what do you think you could do. Yeah, but again, you've got to remember, I thought we were laying this out in in the condition of these were things we both thought each of us that we internally could do. Well, well, you have to declare first whether or not you think you can do it. I'll declare whether I think I can do it or not. Well, then you wouldn't you put it on this it. list if you didn't think you could do it. Sure I did. I put a lot of things on this list I didn't think I could do. Fair enough. Um, now, I... There, there are too many variables, and I know you hate it when people poke poke holes in your hypotheticals like this. But it depends on like, are we talking a posse with dogs? Because I can tell you, it's not happening. Well, I'm thinking. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna narrow it down for you. I'm thinking Old West posse. I'm thinking you just shot the sheriff, but you didn't shoot the deputy. <laughs> right. And you're trying to make your getaway, and he runs in the saloon and says, "We need a posse." What do you think your chance? Give me a percent, percentile chance. Hundred percent definitely get dying. Zero percent, you're getting away scot free. Uh, twenty-five percent. That low? In, in that scenario, that's that's seventy-five percent die. Twenty-five percent get away. No, that's seventy percent. Five percent get away. Twenty-five percent die. Okay, so you're twenty-five percent for the posse. Seventy-five percent for yourself. See, this is the beautiful thing about hypothetical situations. They tell you so much about how the other person thinks. And all because mm, I'm I'm 80% sure I could evade a sheriff's posse. Yeah, so we're pretty close there. Yeah, I'm I'm 80% sure I would have to just make some major goof up, or there would have to be, you know, okay, he he winged me while I was on my way out, and they had a blood trail or something like that. Yeah, well, especially when you threw in the caveat of like old west style, where I've got a little bit of a head start and probably a horse, I'm I'm good. Okay, now change it. You have to evade a posse in an urban center. You. You made the Bloods mad, and they're tracking you through the streets of New York. That's tougher. See, I think that's easier. You do? Well, there's more places to hide in New York than in Montana. Yeah, but in a situation like that, you can only hide for so long. Ultimately, to survive, you have to get out. Wasn't Kurt Russell in that movie? Escape from L.A.? <laughs> Escape from New York was the good one. Escape from L.A. was yeah. kind of the, the crappy one. But Escape from, Escape from New York, very good. Yeah. Underrated performance by Isaac Hayes. But, um, yeah, I'm thinking Urban Center, I'd have, I would give myself better odds because I think I could get into buildings, I could find resources, I could... But if we're thinking in modern times, the amount of surveillance that exists and whether or not the posse has access to that sure, do, does definitely make it tougher. That kind of gets into, like, minority report at that point. Okay, amputate a limb. Absolutely. Oh, no problem. No problem whatsoever. No problem. I'll do it right now. Lay your arm the, the problem. <laughs> the problem is most people don't put enough pressure because you're you're naturally inclined. <laughs> no, you have to do it with a tourniquet. 
Um, but most people are so naturally born not to inflict that kind of pain in people. And you have to start above where the damage occurred. So you have to start with living tissue. Sure. And it, it's hard for a lot of people because they it, it's counterintuitive to put enough pressure on that wound to to actually do the amputation. Problem. Sure. But you know me. I don't think I'd have any trouble with that. <laughs> I think I could knock that out. No. Okay, in what scenario is my life going to depend on my ability to spin wool? <laughs> I knew you were going to give me grief about that, but here's the thing. All of this, you know, I think I've talked about it on the show before, is that I, I, I kind of know how to knit. I do know how to crochet. Like, I can, I can make things out of yarn. When the zombie apocalypse happens... We're going to be the people that are that are going to keep you from freezing. Oh no, you 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 never survive a zombie apocalypse. But I, no, that it, it's it's you, you've got too under- much personal attachment. You couldn't you couldn't put a spike through your you know unless I happen to be your friend. You, your average friend, you couldn't put a spike through their skull. I worry about you putting a spike through my skull every week here on the podcast. <laughs> but you couldn't put a. I don't think you could. But, I don't think you could compartmentalize deep enough to survive but, a zombie apocalypse. But spinning, spinning wool for clothing and textiles was one of the first advantages of of Neolithic man, and it goes back. I mean, but because unless you have the the materials to tan leather. You're you're wearing rotting flesh, so fur is only sustainable for a certain period of time before it degrades, unless you have the ability to tan it and 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 uh, preserve it. Whereas with wool, if 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 I feel like I'm going to be isolated, first of all, I got plenty of time on my hands. I don't know where I'm finding the sheep, but no, I think it's. <laughs> That solves the loneliness problem, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? So, but I think he did I, that. He shaved me and he left. <laughs> but, <laughs> with a new coat. But I do, I do think it's a it's a skill that is undervalued. Okay, I I see your point that it's an undervalued skill. I think I can figure it out. I don't think I'd have any trouble figuring out. You know, a little trial and error. But I think I could I could get spinning wool down pretty quick. I don't uh, it, assuming I had a supply of sheep, I could probably get spinning wool down pretty quick. I don't think that would be a, a huge hill. If for you me could to ever find. stop doing the other long enough to sit <laughs> down, right. that's right. Well, you got you got a refractory period. <laughs> well, this is going way off. The, yeah, so yeah. since we're already off the off the rails, kill a chimp, chimpanzee in a sword fight. So this relates to the joke I made at the beginning of the show, and uh, we're running a little long, so I'll tell the Reader's Digest version, but as, as often happens, Shane brings a hypothetical to the table after we recorded last week and says, would you rather have to choke a chicken to, or kill a chicken with your bare hands right. every time you start your car, or once a year, you have to fight a chimpanzee in a sword fight to the death. Okay, so full disclosure, this question was asked to Burt Kreischer on the Barstool Sports Podcast. I don't want to take any credit for this question at all, even though I do think it's a great question. But I I do want to disclose, full disclosure, this this was asked on another podcast. And as I alluded to at the beginning of the show, Shane chose the chicken, I chose the chimpanzee. I think I could absolutely kill a chimpanzee in a sword fight. I think I could kill a chimpanzee in a sword fight. But, but you'd rather choke a chicken. But just, yeah, just snapping a chicken neck. I mean, so, you know, aside from all the chicken poop in my truck, I, it would be a minor inconvenience. 
a minor at best. But also, okay, let's talk about our um, cigars. And all the Cavalier Geneva Special Edition. Um, it's a five and a half for me. Yeah, that's about where I'd put it. Not bad. I'd, I'd go five and three quarter. I think I'd give it a little bit more than that. But um, I would have liked a little more nuance from it. It's very good. But it, it's not that little extra. If it had stayed, if it had held what it had at the front of the cigar for a little longer time, I probably would be a little bigger fan. See, it, it's the opposite for me. I th- I'm glad that that went away as early as it did. I think that benefited the overall flavor of the cigar. Well, I, I like it. I don't think it's, it's nothing that I'm going to break my arm off on. Um, I think Adrian led me right. I, I, yeah. don't, I definitely don't have any complaints toward my my concierge in this position that should, that led me to this cigar. And I'll, cause if you can pick a five and three quarter out of a humidor, you've, you've done a pretty good job. Yeah. Uh, the average of picking for somebody else to get above a five is pretty slim. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely go five and a half and I could, I could be talked up to a five and three quarter pretty easy on this stick. So how do they get hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at Facebook, facebook.com slash the cigar cast, Instagram and Twitter at the cigar cast and email info at the cigar I can't believe you skipped over eat human meat. Oh, eh, kind of a non-issue for me. Okay. I mean, just to, uh, uh, it's more the taboo of cannibalism that I was kind of getting at, but I think in a pinch, if it, if it came down to, what was it? A dog, an old lady or me? Yeah. Yeah. If, if it came down to it, you know, with a soccer team crashed in the Andes, yeah, I could probably, I fry, I could fry one up. And I'll, not my first choice, no. but but definitely doable. But anyway, thank you everybody for listening this week. I hate that we're going out on that. <laughs> thank you everybody for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.